Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. But I've heard a lot of preachers say that if I could do anything else, I would. I can do a lot of things. But preaching is what God gave me a passion for. He called me to that, and I thank God for that calling that God has blessed me with. And the ministry is God's gift to the church. That's what the Bible says. And he has blessed Oxford, not just today, but in the past 91 years that Oxford Assembly of God has been in existence, he's blessed us. He has given this church so much. My title of my message today is taken from Hebrews, excuse me, not Hebrews, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave, and he gave. We know that God's a giver. You don't have to go very far in the book to find out that God is a giver. God gave. What did he give? Well, he gave his son so that we might have eternal life. He gave us a son so we could have a reason and the ability to have a church. But then he says, the church needs people to run it. The body needs people to teach it. And he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, pastors aren't enlisted. Shepherds would be probably where that would be, pastors. But we're all given to the church for the work of the ministry. Now, I know we can realize those notable titles. And sometimes I have people ask me, well, pastor, do you really think there's apostles today? Do you really think there's prophets today? Do you really think those are for today? Well, why shouldn't they be? Because the church is still in existence and the church still needs the leadership and the guidance and God is still giving, giving the church these ministries. I did an interesting study, not a detailed study, but I was just thinking about the words, that two-word phrase, of Christ. I thought about the church of Christ. But I looked up that phrase, of Christ, and that phrase is used almost 90 times in the Bible, actually 89 in the NIV version. 89 times used it. What's the context? Well, it says, we're the saints of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. The love of Christ. The word of Christ. The cross of Christ. Members of Christ. Aren't you glad you're a member of Christ? The example of Christ. The sufferings of Christ. And we could go on and on. The kingdom of Christ. And then I looked up another phrase that was in Christ. In Christ, there's 91 times. In Christ. Because God created. First of all, he gave the family. 
We need to understand the family was given first, but then he gave what we know as the church, the body of Christ. And again, those titles, apostles, they're God's gift to the church. And I know some of you say, well, pastor, we got shortchanged. You might've got what you deserve. <laughs> Just think about it. Isn't that what we tell the kids? If you're good enough, you get better gifts. You can mull over that a while. But many more. But every one of our ministers, whether paid or volunteer, are God's gifts to you. To the church. Now, what is the purpose of the gifts? What are the purpose of clergy? Is the purpose just so we can get honored on Pastor Appreciation Day? Well, if that's the deal, let's forget it. Does it mean that I can legally sign my name, Reverend? I remember when I got credentialed, I was so excited to sign it, Reverend. Did that for about two days. <laughs> and Brother Bob, that, that title didn't do me any, anything for me. Not, not that I'm slamming it. I thank God for my credentials. But I'm glad that it's more than that. That it's more than that. See, the church and the leadership in the church is here for a purpose. You say, well, what's the purpose? Let's go to continue reading in chapter 4. Begin reading at verse 12 and go through verse 16. And we'll see something. There's a number of subpoints. I found out in the first service this morning that this is a whole lot to give in one service. And I know somebody said, well, pastor, keep preaching and we'll, we'll keep listening. Well, I found out a long time ago that, uh, that some people's mind can only endure what their seat can endure. <laughs> or the mind can only absorb what their seat can endure. And a message don't have to be everlasting to be eternal. So I'm going to try to put it in here. But I will tell you, it's a lot longer, more to it than I really anticipated. Because... It, the church is a major thing. What is the purpose? He says, I gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Here it is. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for building up the body of Christ. That's it. That's the work of the ministry. Now, again, there's a lot of sub points, and we're going to read some of that in a minute. But we need to understand that the reason I'm here, the reason the staff is here, is to equip the saints. And I know some of you say, well, that cuts down our figures a whole lot. But we need to understand something. We need to figure out if we're going to use the worldly concept of what a saint is, or are we going to use the biblical concept? Because, see, if we use some of the worldly concept, well, they're saint, you have to wait till you die. How many knows that you're not much good on the earth when you die? If you're going to do anything worthwhile, it's got to be done while you're alive, right? So to equip the saints, if we're just talking about those that's already dead and gone, then we're not doing anything. For the work of the ministry and to build the body or to build the, the family of God. We say, well, who in the world are the saints? Well, 
if you go over to chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle. He was one of those that God gave. An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, that word saints is a very simple word. It literally means those that believed. Those that believed. If you want to take it a little bit further, it means those that have accepted the invitation. Now, if you're a believer, if you are a Christian, you may still have your halo a little bit warped. My wife tells me my horn's trying to knock it off. I don't know. But you might be a little bit warped, but according to the Bible, that's the church that Jesus died for. That's the church that he gives the gifts to that says that I want you to give them and train them so that they can do the work of the ministry and build the body of Christ. Now let's go ahead and put it in here. If you're looking for a perfect church, there will be one when Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom. But until then, he's work, working with us warped boards. He's working with humans. He's working with people with flaws. But he said, I'm going to use even those flawed people. I don't have time to chase that rabbit. But I mean, knows that there's even in the Bible, there were preachers that had some bad issues. But he said, I'm going to use you anyway. Paul was a murderer. Peter was a fisherman that denied knowing Jesus. But guess what? He said, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And he said, I call Paul out of being a murderer to do the work of the ministry, to train the saints. Those that have accepted the invitation to be a part of the body of Christ. Let me read on. It says, how long is that supposed to go on? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. How many things we gotten there yet? Have we gotten there? Is the world in unity? Is the church in unity? So we still got work to do. And we need to understand something. I want to make sure I get this in. The church is not a rest home for the saints. It's a hospital for sinners. Okay? So all of us saints that God has called us, we've still got things to work on, but God's working on us. And guess what he did? He said, I put all these people in spots. And again, we got a lot more than what you saw here. We got teachers that teach different things in different classes that are doing the work of the ministry, preparing the saints to do the work of the ministry. But we're not a rest home for the saints. We're a hospital for the sinners. And we need to understand something else. We're not a cruise ship. We're a battleship. We're doing things for the kingdom of God. And so that's what God has put all these people for. And he says, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And I know some of you have reached it. 
Now, manhood there is one of the times that we can say it's either male or female. Male or female. I'm not being politically correct. I'm being biblically correct, okay? There is a difference between man and woman. I said there is a difference. I found that out early, early on in my life. And if there's some people that don't know the difference, I'm sorry. But this word manhood here is speaking of adulthood, a maturity. How many knows we all haven't reached that yet? We're still working on it. To the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, and cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are able to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, that's the reason that God gives leadership in the church, so that we can do the work of the ministry and that we can work together so that the body will grow and build itself up in love. And we're not there yet. Now, I brag on Oxford Assembly everywhere I go. And I can tell you, you have a reputation that is almost impeccable. It doesn't matter where I go, I run into people, especially if they're in the Assemblies of God, say, I know all about Oxford Assembly. I know all about Oxford Assembly. You've got a great, great, great reputation. But how many knows that there's still work to be done? There's still people to be won. Most of us here are waiting for the return of Christ. How many are waiting on the return of Christ? Did you know there's two billion people in the world that don't know he came the first time? There's still to be work to do. There's still work to be done. So that's what we're doing to equip the body, to equip the saints and build the body. That's what's for. And we need to understand something. When we are in Christ, we're not only part of the body, We've been brought into the family. I know people tell me all the time, all the professionals, that our slogan, our, our mission statement is not good because, you know, we're, we're, that's too broad. It's too broad to be the family of God, uh, uh, being the family for the ch- family of God. We want to be the family church for the family of God. They say that's too big. Our kingdom's big. And God wants all of us to be part of the family. And when you become a saint, you become a part of the family. Whether you ever sign up one of those cards to become a member of Oxford Assembly, that's not the issue. The issue is if you've accepted the invitation to become part of the family. Part of the family. Let's go over to chapter 1, read verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is all about the family. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. Not just before you were born, but before the foundation of the world, he chose us to be his sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. 
to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which is set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things in earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. I said in him, we have obtained an inheritance. Amen. Having predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, I've been named on a couple of wills in my lifetime. A couple of them was just, uh, you take care of the business. There's nothing there, you just take care of the business. But I can tell you, I've got an inheritance with God. He's not gonna run out of money. He's not gonna run out of inheritance. He's got, he owns it all. And he said, I've got an inheritance in him. And I'm not worried about what kind of house I have in heaven. A lot of people says, I want a man. And I don't, I, I love a mansion in heaven. But just to be there. Just to be in his presence. Just to see all the signs. Wouldn't you like to shake hands with David? Thank you for fighting that big old guy. Thank you, Paul, for taking a stand. Thank you for telling us what the purpose of the church is. Thank you for telling us what the staff's supposed to do. That, that's to build the body of Christ. And we have an inheritance because we've been adopted into the family. Not only that, we once did... But now we are alive. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now is at work in the sons of disobedience. I know I hear all the time, and we know God's in ultimate authority. We know that he is a creator and ruler of the universe, but he's allowed Satan, the prince and power of the air, to have certain abilities. Now he can do nothing that God does not allow him to do. But the Bible tells us that Satan is at work in the sons of disobedience. Now some of you need to realize he's not at work in you. Some of you think, well, I'm of the devil. No, you're not, not if you're in Christ. Christ should be at work in you, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, even before he extended the invitation to us, even before we believed in Christ, we were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So at the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by 
grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. God says, I'm building a church and I'm putting this leadership in position so that you can be taught and trained to do the work of the ministry and to live the life that God wants you to live. Some of you, a few of you remember Brother Tom Miller. And if you remember Brother Tom Miller, you knew he had a favorite word. Somebody shouted out. Beloved. I know some kids would count the number of times he would sit in a service. That was his word. Beloved. But can I tell you, I'm glad that I'm one of the beloved. I'm glad that I'm one of the beloved in Christ. That I'm part of the family. And I'm part of the church. I'm part of the body. And that God is still working on us. We are part of the body. Now let me make a point here. Concerning this letter of Ephesians that I'm reading. I told someone this morning that I think Ephesians and Colossians are my favorite letters. I love those letters. Ephesians was a letter, of course, written by Paul from prison, but it was not to address a problem. See, some of his letters was addressing problems. He was writing this to the church, not just to the church at Ephesus, but this was what was called a circular letter. Now, I want you to know there's a difference between a circular letter and those, what those letters you used to write if you break the chain letters. This is not a chain letter. This was a circular letter that was written to the church at Ephesus to pass around. After you've read it, Make sure it goes over to this church. Make it go to all the churches in the area because they need to know what the church is for. They need to know what the ministry is for. They need to know that God has redeemed them. They need to know that they've been adopted into the family. They need to know the basics of, of what spirituality is. That's what this letter was written. Written to them. A, a word of encouragement to build the body of Christ, to strengthen the family, to help us to understand the mystery. Now, I'm going to have to skip over a little bit here, but we need to understand when Paul talks about the mystery, he was talking about the mystery of, of Christ, understanding that. And you know, if somebody has never heard the gospel, guess what? It's a mystery. They don't know it. But those of you that know, know the, just a little bit of truth, See, I hear people tell me, well, you know, whenever I get to know it well enough, I will begin to share it. The more I know, the more I realize I don't know. And if you're waiting till you get good enough, chances are you won't make it. If you're waking, waiting till you understand all the answers... Let me tell you, I know for me, every time I get the answers, they change the questions. <laughs> what am I saying? God used Paul to say, listen, I'm giving the church apostles. 
I'm giving the church prophets. I'm giving the church evangelists. I'm giving the church teachers. I'm giving the church pastors or shepherds for they can train the people to do the work of the ministry and to build the body of Christ so that it would all work together in unity. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 8. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, which you've been invited, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belonged to your call. That call is the same word we used earlier, to the invitation. You've been invited. You've been called. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Let me ask yourself, have you received all of God's grace? No. Have you received all of God's spirit? No. He gives it to us as well as we can receive it. I get amazed, Brother Brown, that some people think when they get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they got all of God they'll ever need. That's just a, a touch. So that we'll want more. So that he'll prepare us for the work of the ministry. See, after Paul speaks of the purpose of the apostles, he shares some things that we need to put aside. How I many knows we don't like to listen to those? Things to put aside. Things that will weaken the body. How many of you look forward when you go to your doctor and he starts telling you what you need to lay aside? Years ago, I was working in a meat market and a guy came in and he had lost well over 100 pounds. And I called him by name. I said, I almost didn't recognize you. You lost. I said, how much you lose? He said, about 120 pounds. I said, what happened? He said, well, I went to the doctor. And he told me that I needed to lose some weight. And I said, well, doctor, if I lose weight, I'll have to buy a new outfit. I'll have to buy a new wardrobe. And he said, well, if you don't go on a diet, you're not going to need one. <laughs> so he said, I decided to lay aside those things. And Paul says, if you're going to be healthy spiritually, and how many knows that you can eat what you want to, it's okay with God. God's not going to send you to hell because of what you eat. But sometimes we need to lay some things aside. Spiritually speaking, the same thing. See, after Paul speaks of the purpose of the apostles and the teachers, he shares some things that we need to put aside. Now, I'm not going to read them all, but just tell you, those are things that will weaken the body. Now, when we're talking about the body here. We're not talking this context. We're talking about the spiritual body. We're talking about the body of Christ. And there's some things that we have to constantly be on the lookout for because they will destroy the body of Christ. They will weaken the body of Christ. Now, I'm not going to read all those sides. You can. But what are some of the things? One of them is anger. 
Now, I'm just thinking, even as I preached the 8 o'clock service this morning, that some of these things seem to be so applicable to our great country. How many do you think that anger is destroying our country? Hatred, unforgiveness. Well, I can tell you, not only would they destroy a country, they would destroy a church. Anger. We say, well, how important is that? God says it's so important that you don't need to go to bed tonight without getting taken care of. Be angry and sin not. Don't hold on to it. Hardness of the heart. Lying, bitterness, and several of the things he mentions is not the things we do, but the things we say that are detrimental to the strength of the body. Now, as I've already mentioned, we've got a great church, but if we get anger in there, dissension in there, Hatred in there, bitterness in here, unforgiveness in here. God's not going to bless it. God doesn't bless ugly. I know some of us say, well, no wonder I'm not blessed. (laughs) Do you understand where I'm coming from? Paul said, I want you to, this is the work of the ministry. But our staff can... Do everything we're supposed to do. But if we allow bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, fester. How many knows what fester? That's an old term. Anybody know what fester means? It just means it gets worse and worse. It accumulates garbage. And I believe a lot of churches have been destroyed because of anger Bitterness, unforgiveness have festered. And God says, lay aside those things. Lay them aside. Well, how do we build up the body? Well, chapter 4, verse 32, it says this. Let me back up to 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, that means our talk, be put away from you along with malice. Then this next verse, be kind to one another. I can hardly wait to get more of these debates going on. To see the kindness of these guys just exuberate on the screen. Be kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Pastor, she started it. He hit me first. He did this, he did that. I can't find anywhere in the book that says depending on who started it. If you can find it, show me. It says if you have ought against your brother, we need to forgive one another. Well, I'm glad we, some of y'all gave me my cards before I preached. <laughs> Therefore, it doesn't stop there. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God 
in Christ forgave you. Remember what the book says? It says, even while we were yet sinners. In other words, even while we were still in the wrong, what did Jesus do? He forgave us. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Then he goes on and speaks about family relationships, which is a major part of the building of the body. The church body is not going to be any stronger than the family body. And we need to remember that. Then he says, put on the whole armor of God. So we can stand. Stand against what? Let's read a few verses. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Next week, I'm going to preach on the real trick-or-treat. But I'm going to tell you what, he's a schemer. He's a trickster. He's a liar. He's a cheater. And he can out-scheme you any day of the week. In order to fight against him, we got to put on the whole armor of God. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Go back and read two verses in closing. Chapter 4, verse 15. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped when each part is working properly, that makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's our challenge. That's our responsibility as leaders in this church. That's your responsibility to accept the teaching, to accept the direction, to accept the correction. Because God wants to build us up in love. Why love? Because you're not going to win people with hate. You're not going to win people with bitterness. You can only win them to the love of God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Holy Spirit, we surrender the closing moments to you, asking you to minister to our hearts and lives. Those that are watching online, those that are here in person, we ask you to break through any resistance that may be there. Minister to us, God, that you would touch us in so many ways. That we would become the body. And that each part would work together. Not trying to do one another's 
other ministries, but let's doing what you ask us to do, united together in love, so that we may fulfill your calling for this church. And God, we give you praise. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, our number one prayer is that you would receive Christ, accept the invitation. And as we close this service, the invitation is out there. And if you accept that invitation, just make your way to the front. We'll have someone pray with you. But for those of us that are believers, the biblical word is for those of us that are saints whether you're a member of this local church body or not. But if you're fighting a battle of bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, some of those things we need to lay aside, slander, then I'd like to just ask you to raise your hand. Let me pray with you and pray for you. Real quickly, you can put your hand up, put it back down. I see several hands. See, it's not easy to let things go. I said, it's not easy to let things go. Sometimes we have to let that anger go. We have to let that bitterness go. We have to let that unforgiveness go. Several hands were raised. And in just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And it's just a song of, and ask God to minister to us. But let me pray with you. Those of you that are online, agree with us in prayer. Father. I thank you for this church body. I thank you for the love of God that is evident here. We thank you for the unity. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your strength. But God, we come against any attack of the enemy, individually and collectively. Because Father, there's a number of hands that were raised that they've got something in their life that they need to release. They need to release that bitterness. They need to release that unforgiveness. They need to release that uh, hatred, that slander, and so that we would grow strong in you. And God, we ask you to do this right now. And God, if there's family members that are at odds with one another, and we know that that happens, I pray that you would minister and unite that family closer than they've ever been before that we'd let those angers and those things go. In Jesus' name, amen. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.